Ah, the end of spring in Paris. The sun is shining and Parisians are taking back their parks and gardens and enjoying life again. But historically, the month of May is often a time for change, sometimes even a time for revolution. May, 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 Paris, May. May, 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 Paris. Tuchel is coming, the inquisitor of football. Is he bringing a new system with him? Because the current one sucks. We're back after a long break. We'll discuss Tuchel, Rabio, Buffon, the FFP and many other things. Yes, this is PSG talking. Ce sera déjà la gueule de tout ce système. Quand je marche dans la rue, je ne porte pas d'emblème. Je vais où je veux, je pense comme je veux. Pas de pression, je crache à la fin des nations. Mes fréquentations ne regardent que moi. Mon futur, mon passé, tout est effacé. Je ne me sens pas concerné par mon tir. Le point et attire de son back this week with uh, David. Hello, David. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, not too bad. Although you've taken my seat. Well, if, you know, it's a modular thing. It's a yeah. team. Like, a, like whoever's hosting, it's the same thing. It doesn't matter anymore, a, a, anymore. That's how things have to work as a team, right? It's still your seat, but, you know, we're a team. Got it dirty. Okay. Uh, we have Matthew. Matthew, hello, hello. hello. From, uh, uh, from is, the UK? I am. This is like total podcasting where everybody can, you know, fill in for other people's roles. It's very, very forward thinking, I think. Very, very croy It's It's, yeah, it's exactly. modern, modern uh, podcast. We adapted <laughs> to the, the realities and demands. And we have Kose. Hello, Kose. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, uh, always a pleasure. Are you, where are you? Uh, I am currently in Ecuador right now. Oh, yeah. Where in the world is Cosa Espinosa? Is it a new game? <laughs> Back to Ecuador. All right. Yeah. Um, well, in a way, we have many things to talk about and not a lot of things to talk about. What I'm trying to say is that the few subjects we have this week on the podcast will be discussed uh, in depth, but we don't have many subjects. What are the real big subjects right now at Paris Saint-Germain? Well, the hot new topic, there's two. There's Buffon joining. So we'll talk about that. And on June 6, the clown uh, FFP judgment about our clown finances, um, which is going to impact or not. I mean, either way, it's going to impact deeply the coming season. Um, Another big hot topic is Thomas Tuchel, which is apparently the right pronunciation. The French are going to say Tuchel. I don't know how you want to pronounce his name, but the apparently... Americans are also going to say Tuchel. They're going to say Tuchel. Well, we like Tuchel. Um, the French like Tuchel uh, better because it, we can give him a, a nickname. Tutuche or Latouche or whatever, <laughs> you know. So let's call him, let's call him Tuchel. Um... What do you want to guys talk about first? This time you, you have options. I'm not doing the agenda. It's, it's going to be a very open discussion, including it's the unionized. Agenda. It's unionized. We're all brothers. 
what shall what shall we cover first? What 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 do you think? I say go straight into Tuchel. Yeah, that's how that's how I'm gonna say it. And if people don't like it, fine. I'm heel David. Whatever. Yeah. All right. Um, well, you start, David Tuchel. Okay. Um, this was Tuchel was was the guy I wanted instead of Emery. Um, way back when, even though even though he wasn't necessarily proven at the top level, I mean he's got he's got a good track record of turning players into better players. Um, he develops the talent he has. Um, he has a strong ethos, a strong system. Um, I think there are questions to be asked as to just how good he is. I don't think anybody has really a proper read on that. Um, certainly, he is a top level coach. But the thing that's really interesting about Tucho coming to PSG and the thing that makes it interesting for me is that this guy left his last job because he fell out with locker room leaders at, at Dortmund. He wanted to move on a lot of these long-standing team members that were too old to fit the system anymore uh, and had too much influence. And then they got mad. Uh, he fell out with the board uh, for over recruitment policy and, and things like that. And that means that, you know, these are all things that Emery was, was struggling with the past two years, um, having to compromise on his system to fit the demands of locker room leaders here, um, having to, having a disastrous recruitment campaign in his debut year where no one was on the same page. And I mean, I, I talked about this with, with Mark Damon a little bit. We're still recovering from that. Mm -hmm. Um, it seems like the directive with appointing someone with Tuchel's track record in the back room is we want a serious shift to manager power. And Tuchel is saying the right things. You know, we want to make a system where Neymar has all the space he needs to be the most influential player on the pitch. And, you know, we, we, we're going to have, presumably, um, he's, he's in early enough that he can influence whatever signings and departures that need to be made. And there will need to be some departures. Um, but overall, it's very exciting because it seems like this is an actual, like, non-conservative change, um, you know. It's yeah. hard to look at Tuchel's career without looking at the man as kind of a, a, a controversial figure. So for the board to go ahead and sign that guy knowing full well what he's, what he's about signals a, a, an actual change in style. Hopefully more real than the one we were all thinking and writing about when Unai Emery was appointed. Um, but, you know, hopefully this is actually we're going to 4-2-3-1. We're going to play a, a convincing style as opposed to oh, it's an away game in the Champions League. I wonder what the hell formation we're going to play today. Hmm. Um, it, it would be nice to have kind of a, a team ethos. So that's my bit. I am excited about Tuchel. I think it's a very good appointment. Um, and I, I am glad that we got him in before Zidane stepped down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no Zidane. Um, Matthew? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'm sort of a little bit more... Um, uh, not quite as excited as, as David, I don't think. A doubter! Uh, no, <laughs> not because, uh, you know, not because Tuchel isn't Tuchel. I'm going to call him Tuchel because that's clearly what all the English pundits call him. Thomas Tuchel, mate. Um, Tuchel. Uh, Tuchel. Yeah, Tuchel, maybe. He is pretty cool. Did you see that sort of um, that fashion shoot that he did while he was in um, while he cool. was Between Jobs? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's cool. Cooler than Emery. That doesn't take much. Well... Yeah, Emery was a geek. I mean, that is, the, Emery is a geek. Yeah, 
yeah, I mean, I mean, I've mentioned Emery's terrible hair on here before, which I feel is probably going to hold him back at some point in his career. So we won't <laughs> go into that. Um, yeah, um, I think it's a really exciting appointment as um, on one level because, well, we know what he did at Borussia Dortmund. It was a really exciting team. It scored a lot of goals. Um, he's from a really good pedigree. I think. Um, don't know if any of you guys have read um, Raphael Honigstein's um, book about the sort of reinvention of German football. But um, he makes the point that all these sort of great German coaches are from the same sort of region of Germany, like from Swabia. Um, so like Klopp's from there, Jürgen Klinsmann, who was obviously very important, maybe not great, and Ralph Rangnick and people like this. And, and you know, Tuchel's one of these one of these guys. Um, so all that is, is exciting. But um, I think I'm just a little bit concerned that he's sort of a bit you know, getting a very sort of a very technical, sort of technocratic um, guy in. I'm not sure if it's going to work that well with um, with with our squad. I mean, Dave, you mentioned sort of the the way he left Dortmund, which was quite sort of, uh, you know, um, it's quite contentious um, in terms of the dressing room. Mm. I think, you know, to mitigate that, he got, you know, really good form out of Aubameyang, didn't he, who's supposedly a difficult character and hard to work with, but... I'm just a bit worried that we're sort of repeating the same mistake of Emery, you know, the guy who we're getting a very sort of technical, very, um, you know, very clever coach um, in when really we sort of just need someone to a sort of Ancelotti sort of style manager. I'm not saying we should have gone for Ancelotti himself because, you know, I think there's question marks about whether he's sort of best days are behind him. Obviously, he's been here before and blah, blah, blah. But I wonder if someone of that... Um, sort of mould would be better for our squad than a guy who's going to be quite rigid and sort of demand a lot from them tactically. I think um, I was looking, doing a bit of research earlier and uh, found this quote from uh, Nevin Subotic, who's um, obviously it's an Etienne now, but was under Tuchel at um, Dortmund. And he says, at first we wondered whether some of the things that we did in training had to do with football. We quickly realised that they worked, but some exercises lasted two and a half hours. Um, because they always change, it doesn't feel like that though. So that's quite good. But I'm just sort of, <laughs> I'm a bit concerned about Neymar being told to do the same thing for two and a half hours. You know, mm. could end up being a bit problematic. So I think if he can sort of, if he can take control of the locker room, then all well and good, and that's great. And I think he'll be a good appointment. But I think if we just continue in the same pattern, the previous years where the players just can just go to the president when they don't like something, then I think we might be storing up problems. Uh, further down the line so in summary cautiously optimistic I'd say right Chrissy yeah um, I mean I want to start close to um, close to the lines about uh, what uh, David said I think I'm also very excited about Tuchel um, that's, that's how I'm going to call him too <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I agree with that I mean I think Tuchel is a very exciting coach he is supposed to bring a new type of football, a new type of mentality to the team, which is mostly, I think, one of the things I'm rooting most for. Um, because I think for a long, long time, PSG have still played for the same thing or under the same identity. And I think that a, a, a person that's going to come and mix it up is really, really good for the team. Um, but at the same time, I also agree with a lot of stuff Matthew said. Um, because Unai Emery was supposed to be that guy uh, last time out. And even though I do think that Emery has a lot of um, technical merit, I also believe that he is not an amazing coach because he wasn't ever able 
to establish his identity on top of the team and on top of the players. So for me to see a coach, I think um, my general evaluation of Tuco would be he is going to be either a really big hit or a really big miss. Um, if he is able to overcome all of these dressing room problems, uh, hierarchy, if he makes him, is able to motivate all of his players in the way that he has been saying um, during the last few weeks, I think he will be a complete success at the Parc des Princes because I think one of the things that has missed so much in Paris has been match intensity. And when he said that he wants PSG players to play with the same intensity on a Coupe de France uh, game than on a Champions League game, that's clearly the right idea to follow. Right. Um, but still, I, it's one thing to say and it's one thing to do. So I, I, that's what I agree with Matthew a lot. Uh, we have to be opt- optimistically cautious um, because uh, we're not sure if he's going to be able to deliver everything that he's promising. So, I mean, the Ancelotti story at Bayern shows that it's um, the, between the a coach and the locker room, a lot of things can go wrong and a, lo- a lot of things can go right. And Ancelotti is a proven top coach, one of the five best. And uh, his two years at, at Bayern Munich, a year and a half, were close to catastrophe. He lost the locker room, blah, 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 blah. Um, What's happening with Tuchel, I think, is um, Paris is, is trying to be pragmatic yet again and opportunistic during the transfer season, including coaches. And none of the top, top coaches were available except Ancelotti. And they, they didn't want to do it again. So no Mourinho, no Guardiola, and so on and so forth. So they went to the one step down good coaches but unproven uh, for, for big clubs. The list is, is, is not that long and Tuchel seem, seems to be probably one of the best options. We cannot talk about Tuchel without talking about Emery. Remember two years ago, Emery tried to impose or um, implement his very aggressive style of, of, of play to Paris Saint-Germain. The team tried, kind of tried to do it, and then right before winter, exploded physically, completely exploded. And we don't know exactly what happened in the locker room, but full stop in that system. Back to a 4-3-3, back to a more normal way of, of playing, and then we were like, well, he's going to develop some systems in midfield, and it's going to be... None of that happened. Huge mystery. Complete flop. We still hope things would turn around. Things didn't turn around. Emery's tenure at Paris Saint-Germain was overall a big, big disappointment. Um, is he a good coach? Is he a bad coach? We don't know. It didn't, it didn't work out. We'll see. Maybe it's going to work out uh, for him at Arsenal. Great. Back to Tuchel. There's one thing we know he's, he's going to do is to, sorry, is to set up um, systems mechanisms in midfield, which we lacked so badly last season, where during big games, uh, uh, Mbappé and Neymar are to rely on their pure uh, individual skills to, to pass a defense. They were very rarely served in good conditions. Um, so 
the team wasn't working really for them. They were, they were left alone. The midfield never provided that, that assistance to our uh, uh, amazing uh, forwards. And Tuchel will, will need to find a way to, to make that happen. And it will happen. Also, well, our midfield kind of sucked <laughs> in, in terms of pure uh, individualities the, the past few years. I mean, we had, um, even in League One, we, we found it hard sometimes to, to, to match the op- opponent's uh, midfields. So Tuchel will need some additional players to make that happen. But we can expect that to happen, and that should be um, exciting. So that, that's exciting. Um, we, we know the guy can do it. Emery some, somehow couldn't, but there's great hopes that Tuchel will do it, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. Now, is his personality going to match the numerous uh, egos and personalities in the locker room? We don't know, and he's completely unproven. Well, I mean, Dortmund is not a small club. It's probably there's more pressure at Dortmund than there was at Sevilla. Um, so he, he's, he's somewhat uh, experienced a bit with, with pressure, but Paris, Paris pressure is, is, is unbelievable. And the, and the less we perform in, in the, the Champions League, the more pressure there is at the club. So he's unproven. So in many ways, it's, it's like back two years ago. We couldn't get a top, top, top coach. So we have to find a good solution somewhere else. Emery seemed to be the good solution. It turned, it turned out uh, to be a flop. Big question, question marks around uh, Tuchel. Um, but he's intense. He's an intense guy. He's, he's got that drive, that passion, that authority that I think Emery didn't have. So it's looking, it's looking a little better, isn't it? Anyone wants to add something about Tutush? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I want to say Matt makes some very good, although his words are seditious and threaten to undermine this entire project. <laughs> I think you makes, yeah. makes you've, you've rumbled me again. <laughs> uh, he makes some really, really good points. And I'm going to say something that's, that's, you know, I'm exaggerating here, but just, just for the sake of making the point, I think we can have this exact same conversation right now with barely any changes if you go back to 2015 and instead of appointing Emery, we appoint Tuchel. Yeah. And then in, and then in 2018, we appoint, we appoint Emery, replacing a disappointing Thomas Tuchel. Mm-hmm. And I think because, that is because all of the points that Matt's making, that, okay, someone can just go run to the chairman and cry about it, it's still working in Emery's time. And it's, it's a different kind of boardroom ambition that we're dealing with. And it, it's going to have to be a systematic change at the club or else you are going to get in this cycle of, you know, we need mm-hmm. to appoint a guy like Carlo Ancelotti or, God forbid, Zinedine Zidane. Um, you know, guys like that are going, to, are going to need to be appointed every single year and then sacked again, just like, the, you know, just like Florentino Perez was going through them before he won three Champions Leagues in a row. The, Madrid was running through managers like that, and they were all yes-men because it's the institutional culture of, of, the, back, of, of the club. Um, so I think... Now we're just talking about a young, unproven coach who has a lot of potential. Same with Emery and Tuchel, whether you think one is better than the other. Um, and in fairness, I do think Tuchel is a little bit of a better coach than Emery. Um, I think we all kind of had that opinion even back when Emery was appointed um, 
But, you know, regardless of the individual comparisons between them, it's just a matter of changing the culture at the club. So that's that's why I'm excited. But all of Matt's points are very, very good. I think they're, it, it's just a, it's a fun comparison. But David, you have a, you have a good point. Uh, changing the culture at the club, Emery wasn't able to do it. He didn't have the um, the persona. Yeah. The and in my opinion, he also he also didn't have the institutional support. In my opinion, sure, but it might be the chicken and the egg. Um, Tuchel seems for me looks like a football monk, like like a inquisitor. I think he's just bald, Guillaume. <laughs> uh, I'm bald too. Um, but no, he's, he's got, he's got a flame in his eyes. He's got, he's got, um, first of all, in, in terms of sheer authority, he's imposing as, as Emery, I'm sorry. No, not quite. So to match the, the egos in the locker room, you need a guy with intensity. Is he going to be too intense? Is he, uh, he comes with a, a reputation of being very conflictual, Lots of question marks, but authority, authority, and, and that 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 will earn the respect to from the players, which I'm not sure Emery ever ever earned. So, but well, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, Kose, anything you want to add on uh, Latouche, Tutouche? Yeah, um, just about what you just said right now about um, how Tuko is. Uh, much more of a present figure. And I was reading a couple articles the other day about how they were mentioning, um, you know, Tuchel not being that, ma- that, uh, that much of a, um, I don't know, man manager, but rather he's like playing some kind of chess game. And like these players are his pawns that he wants to set out in the field. And I think that um, that is exactly why I was uh, so glad I'm at my saying that it's either going to really work or not so much. Because if you're right, if Tuchel is able to command that respect and, and these players are able to believe in his ideas and are, are able to show that on the field, that's when we will see the, the, um, the final impact of the coach. Uh, and I think that's, in the end, that's the most important thing about bringing someone new. Right. Matthew, do you want to add anything? Uh, I don't... No, yes, actually, I do. I'll try and keep the insidiousness to a minimum. Um, it was just to say, like, on Zidane, I just think it's an interesting case because we've sort of just discussed Zidane as if he's an absolute joker when he's just won the Champions League three times. And um, I don't know. I don't know if it's if it would, given our club culture is proving difficult to change, whether it would be worth trying to find a, a Zidane figure who just... Who is, who commands respect because he's like, you know, the PSG legend. I'm thinking someone like Maxwell here. I don't know if Maxwell has any ambitions to be a manager, but let's use him for an example because clearly, it might not be by design, but it's kind of worked for Madrid recently. And uh, you know, there's other examples where you know, Mota, Mota would be a better example. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. So I don't know. As I said, as I said previously, I think that's the sort of that's more like the type of coach. I'd have looked for, and I. Mm. Well, hope I hope that Tuchel succeeds, and that we can have this culture change because I think it would be more healthy. But sometimes you just have to accept what you are, and sort of even if you don't like it very much uh, all the time. So if we're just going to be this like sort of super club where the players rule the roost, then maybe we should just embrace that and uh, and try and find our our own version of Zidane. But um, 
yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully Tuchel is going to be the man to uh, to sort itself. Well, I'll add uh, a, a quick thought. I mean, it's again for me, it's all about the midfield. I mean, what you, what are you going to ask Neymar and Mbappe to defend to? Uh, play like full backs up front and pressure no you're gonna you're gonna ask them to to play the way they play maybe interact more uh, slightly more with the midfield which they can do they're they're very gifted all around overall uh, forwards um you're not gonna ask Cavani much else than what he does do your run help the defense put it in it's all about the midfield which look like a mess under Emery. I'm sorry to say, it looked like a mess. Um, they, one game, they, they showed like they had a system. The other game, it was completely gone. Rabiot, also Rabiot's inconsistent. Is, oh, my goodness, hard word for me to say. Was not consistent, <laughs> um, which destabilized everything. Lo Celso was played at 39 different positions. A mess. When we have a midfield that knows what's up, that's got solid instructions and at least one additional overall, whether he's a six or he's a, he's a defensive midfielder with great passing skills. Um, when that midfield knows what's up and, and is given the clear instructions, both in defensive transitions and in attacking transitions by a brilliant coach, which is Tuchel, We know he's, he's good at that. He's a, he's, a, he's a tactician mastermind. This looks very promising. But again, of course, big question marks, personality, charisma, blah, 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 the institution, the structure of the club, we don't know. But if he can fix the midfield, then, then he will earn respect from the club, from the staff, from the players. He'll be able probably to have some influence on the structure of the club, and it's, then it's a positive snowball effect on everything. Um, let's move on to a next topic. Buffon, uh, as far as uh, Paris United said today, is a done deal. Two years contract, eight millions a year. Your thoughts? Uh, we'll start with uh, David. Well, okay. So I, last uh -oh. season, uh -oh. I, was, I was wrong about Alves briefly, and now I think I was right about Alves. <laughs> so I am spot <laughs> As far as I know, I have a spotless record with hating old people. So <laughs> um, I don't like the Buffon move just because it's like, I, okay, I understand it. I, I know, I mean, okay, he's a good influence. He is uh, probably going to have, like, a half coaching role. Um, but, I mean, it's just like, okay, Trap is going to get sold. Areola, hopefully, is going to start. And Buffon was not really one of the best keepers in, in Serie A last season. I mean, he's, he's not going to be there to, to have a... Um, to, uh, he's not an improvement on Areola right now, because he's, he's 40. And... You know, he was he was at Juventus for so long in in a big part because of his history at Juventus, just because he has that like unbreakable, you know, image of that's Gianluigi Buffon. And I, I have the utmost respect for the guy. Um, but I think it's making a, a lot of fuss about a backup keeper who I mean, it, it reminds me of the Beckham move. And I feel like as as 
as we're talking all this big game about changing the club culture, it's a little bit of a tin pot move. I don't know. It just we're bigger than having to sign David Beckham so people pay attention to us for a little while. Um, I, I think it's I think it's not great to just have him around as as a player. Um, I mean, sure, bring him in and, as like part of the back room, but like what? have Buffon on the bench the whole season. It's just it's just a bit surreal for me. And frankly, we're probably going to be paying him more than we would be paying another backup keeper who would probably be fine. I mean, we've got we've got plenty of reserve keepers in the youth team that are probably fine. I mean, Mike Megan is, is starting at, what what is it, Lille now? Yeah. Decon also is uh, decent, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yes. It's, uh, my guy is at Lille, yeah. Okay, cool, thanks. Um, anything else, David? Shall we um, pass the mic to the amazing Matthew? I just think, and before Matthew, <laughs> before you attack me again for presenting new ideas, Matthew, um, <laughs> I, I will say I just think we should have a reserve goalkeeper who can walk without a cane. <laughs> Matthew. Unbelievable agenda against old people. I can't believe it. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna. You're gonna think I'm, uh, you know, making this up. I actually agree 100% with you, David. I think oh, okay. I couldn't. I couldn't have put it better. Um, well, the, the long-term uh, feud that between us that I just invented. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's over before it began, really. <laughs> like Adrian Rabio's France career. Um, oh, it, <laughs> sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, I've. I, I mean. On one level, it's quite fun to see it happen just because it's Buffon and he's a legendary player. But on every other level, it makes no sense at all. I don't know why we're doing this. Like you say, it's just a sort of... We've just had that big conversation about how we need the culture to change and then they're just signing like this old legendary guy because he's available. And Well, presumably, I can't really see any other reason for doing it. I don't know he's around and he's a big name and we should be better than that. You're absolutely right. I think as well... He's, realistically, he's not going to just come here and sit on the bench every week, is he? I don't think. Um, if I was Buffon, I wouldn't really want to do that, I don't think. So then you kind of think, are we going to relegate Ariola back to second choice for potentially for another two years, just after he's had probably his most consistent and best spell in the team? I mean, yep. and he, I, end, he ended the season so well, by the way. Let us not forget that. Exactly. And I think um, last time we were on after the Earth, horrible Real Madrid games we were saying that he was probably the only player who came out of both legs with, with credit he's shown that he can perform at that level and now we're just getting some old guy in to take his place who'll probably just have a nice time some old it. guy well, Gen- no. Gianluigi Buffon some <laughs> old guy what, what, okay what go say? on go on to, to quote Buffon himself I've got a rubbish bin for a heart you know I can't um, I can't uh, work up any enthusiasm for this transfer at all and I'll be a bit annoyed if it happens but hey ho I mean it's not it's a bit like with Danny Alves you're not going to say oh it's a terrible idea to have him around in every possible way because he's still Buffon he's still obviously capable of playing at really high level even at his age I just don't when we we're potentially going to have a you know limits on our wage structure and blah blah because of FFP I just don't think it makes a lot of sense Cosé Um, I want to agree, but I also want to disagree because I, um, like Matthew said, I'm actually, I don't know if this is going to go through, but if it does, I'm actually pretty excited about it. I mean, having one of the most legendary goalkeepers in the history of football would definitely be very interesting um, for PSG. 
But I also think that this can be, if used correctly, it can be a brilliant move. Um, Buffon has uh, such a strong mind, uh, such a strong image. He's such a big presence. And I think that um, the only reason I wouldn't like this, this transfer to go through is if something uh, similar to what happened with Danny Alves happens. Um, I am excited to see Buffon come to PSG if it's true. But I don't want to see him start um, every game or I don't want to see him starting in the Champions League semifinals or quarterfinals should we make it. Um, I, I think it's an amazing PR move. I think it's an amazing... Um, I think it's going to bring a lot of uh, a winning mentality to the team, which is, of course, still a part of the things we need now and especially after a leader of the dress room uh, like Thiago Mota just left, even though he's still being involved with the club, but he's not uh, on the on the actual squad like he was before. Um, so I do think that it would be uh, beneficial in all sorts of ways to bring uh, Gianluigi Buffon. But at the same time, if we are going to bench our most promising goalkeeper that has, has come out uh, of our academy system, who, like uh, David said, ended this last season fantastically well. He is not perfect, definitely, but he is not a bad goalkeeper. And if he's able to take it to the next level, why should we keep um, depending on a player that uh, is just here to have fun, a quote-unquote, um, because it, clearly for him, his main, his main part of his career, his most important part of his career uh, was played uh, in Italy with Juventus. Right, so I'm going to overall disagree with every single one of you. Um, I like the move. Um, out of 100%, I like it 95%. It makes sense on every level to me. If it's clear that Areola is still number one and Buffon is like one and a half, and I think, yes. I think it, it would be the dumbest thing to put Buffon as our main goalkeeper. Glad or, we can all or, agree on that. Well, I mean, yeah. And I, we also can, can, can I say it, all agree that it's not going to be like that. Come on. We, the, the, the PSG project has, has, is going to be eight-year-old and they may have learned a few things. So well, I will say that I expected Danny Alves to start a lot less this season. Yeah, especially after he turned yeah. to shit. All right, <laughs> All right. Let's, let's go back to the Buffon thing. So before I, I talk about why uh, Buffon or whatever, I want to talk about Areola. So before he had his awful, awful period where we gave up hope on him and we were like, well, it's not going to work out. Right before that, Here's Alphonse Areola, 6'5", 200 pounds, probably one of the most physical goalkeepers in uh, professional football. A phenomenal athlete, which translates into, by his sheer size, he's, he's impressive and blocks a lot of the goal. But he's got that muscle density and flexibility to make those incredible jumps. And also to come out of his box like a freaking bullet. Ask Ronaldo. The save he had against Ronaldo, where he actually um, saved with his head, he came like a 
bullet out of the goalie, falling down but still standing up, if I may say so. He had this incredible save. This is Areola. And then he had, again, that period where you would, you would get the ball, come up to about 25 meters away from Paris Saint-Germain goal, do any type of shot. doesn't have to be a strong shot. Just a shot towards Areola. And again, goal. So physically, he's exceptional. Mentally, he seemed to be still, you know, coachable. Who's the best around to troubleshoot and improve that mental state, which obviously Ariola has already started to improve? Gianluigi Buffon, a legend of the, of the sport, a phenomenal, phenomenal goalkeeper who he always made the right save at the right time. I still have that Zidane's header in, in extra time against Italy in 2006. Decisive header. A header you don't stop. That's a goal. No. Buffon. And one other thing um, I like the Buffon story about is PSG is once again being very pragmatic. He's, yes, we want to be bigger than that, but we're not bigger as we, we... We're not a super huge club yet. So having Buffon around in terms of image... I wouldn't say a negative thing. It's still a positive thing. And also, they're looking at the FFP, which we're going to talk um, about again in, in a few minutes. Um, Trap costs $6 million a year in, in salaries, and it was a $25 million or euro transfer. So FFP looks like the whole cost, um, um, transfer cost plus salary, spread around the duration of the contract. That's a big chunk of money. If Paris Saint-Germain can, can get rid of Trap and gets Buffon for free, on an accounting standpoint, it's a win. So they are preparing and bracing themselves for really harsh sanctions uh, from the FFP. So getting Buffon um, as a backup keeper, freeing up Trap, will free up a lot of money, about 25 20 million euros, which is a big chunk of money. So that's, that's a win there. And also, finally, one thing I love about Buffon is, I mean, um, Juve just showed that mentally they are an incredible team. They almost kicked Real Madrid out. They were willing, remember that game, 3 to nothing in Bernabeu, showing amazing mental strength. Who was the captain of the Juventus? Gianluigi Buffon, all these years, Juve is losing the, the, the legendary player, but legendary captain. And he's coming with this unbelievable top-level football experience for the last, what, 15, 20 years? And he's bring, bringing that to the club. Yes, he will not be able to save that, that shot right by the post because he doesn't have the reach anymore. He lost, he's 40 years old. He doesn't have the flexibility, the muscle flexibility of a 25-year-old. Areola would, would do it. But he will bring experience, uh, toughness, uh, a winning uh, 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 desire. I mean, he's got a drive. Every picture of him is like screaming at the sky. Uh, he's got that rage to win. We, we miss, we don't have that yet at the club. So yes, 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 
And yes, welcome to Paris Saint-Germain, legend of the world football, Gianluigi Buffon. And uh, he may surprise more than one person, showing that he's, he's maybe on a decline, but he could have walked away, retire from Juve. He took that last challenge for him to prove himself that he can be still one of the top 10 goalies in, in the world for one season for sure, maybe even two at Paris Saint-Germain. Anyone want, want to add something about Buffon? Just, just one sentence. I, I just want to say one thing. You, you all make good points that, that I think Cosse and, and Guillaume, you both said this, that he will add a great... He has the experience that we need and that is that no one is better with mentally coping with losing the Champions League finals. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be wonderful. If we lose the, champion, the Champions League final, that'd be a wonderful achievement. We can't wait, David, I to don't lose know the Champions League final. I can't, personally, I cannot wait to lose it. All, All right. right. <laughs> Anyone else on Buffon? Or should we move to the amazing, surprising Rabio? Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> we can move. <laughs> Rabio, um, oh, I'm, I'm loving this. Deschamps, bitch slap, Adrien Rabio. And uh, Rabio now is moaning, he's whining. Well, he's not going to the World Cup and he may probably never wear the uh, France jersey as long as Deschamps is uh, France's manager. And um, if Zidane takes over after Deschamps, which I think will happen, he may, uh, Deschamps may give the baton, the relay baton to Zidane and keep Rabiot out of the French national team. Um, it's kind of a big deal. It is showing his true colors. And we all love when he plays at his, the level he can play at, where sometimes he's amazing. But his, his attitude, his lack of regularity, um, showing somewhat lack of professionalism. Um, is it adding up to a point where, hmm, should we keep Rabiot at the club? Um, let's start with Matthew. Um, yeah, so, well, he's obviously at loose end now this summer, so I think I need my to... My God. Sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking of sort of uh, bringing back my jobs for Rabio hashtag on, uh, on Twitter. Because, <laughs> you should, uh, you should. Yeah, you know, I, when I was a student, I used to sell ice creams in the summer to make a bit of money, so maybe he could... Uh, you could do that, you know, the tutorial or something. Um, anyway, uh, I, in answer to your question, should we sell him? Uh, probably not, because we're already quite short of midfielders. So I think uh, on a sort of purely practical level, uh, we'd be better trying to strengthen in that area rather than give ourselves another problem to replace him. Because, you know, where, uh, as you've just said, at his, sort of, at his top level, I think he's a... He's, he's really excellent, one of the sort of most exciting young midfielders in Europe, really. But he can be. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. But the problem is that, and this sort of comes down to the heart of the thing with France, is that he isn't all the time. So he can't have any complaints about not being in the squad. I mean, you look at the French midfield, you've got Pogba, Conte and Tolisso. I mean, if Rabiot thinks he should be any ahead of any of those three in the pecking order, then, uh, uh, you know, he's got less brain cells than I thought. Um, so that just leaves Matuidi 
uh, or Nzonzi. Now, I can't really give an, an unbiased opinion on Les Matuidi because I love him so much. Mm. And um, I don't, um, I haven't seen Nzonzi play since he was like at Stoke. So I don't know what sort of form he's been in, but I don't think you can say that Rabiot should definitely be ahead of any of those players. So if he doesn't get picked, I understand that he's annoyed, but he should just be a professional and suck it up, basically. But he's not. Like, why? No, absolutely. And that's a problem. And that's a problem. It's a big problem, and you can sort of forgive it when he's like 17, 18, he's first in the team, and he's only a child, and blah, blah, blah. But he's been playing first-team football for like four years now. He just needs to just grow up a bit, and it's just so annoying, I mean, to see him continually, like, acting like this and you know if he's not careful his career is gonna he's gonna be one of these guys like uh the sort of the mystical ben arthur or you know people like that who who show promise and never live up to it and it's really sad in a way um you know we all have a laugh at rabio because he's a bit of a comedy figure with his sort of overbearing mother but ultimately he's going to be the one who gets to the end of his career and sort of he's going to have not fulfilled his potential and it will just be a shame because you know he could have just kept quiet about this I understand that he's annoyed, but he could have just bitten his tongue, bided his time. You know, Deschamps not going to be the manager forever. Someone might get injured between now and the start of the tournament. And he could, you know, we've seen it so many times, players come in late and end up starving in the tournament. So I, while I think PSG probably need to hold on to him for the moment, it is so frustrating to see him keep repeating the same mistakes. I hope uh, Uncle Mota is going to give him a good scolding, that's for sure. Uh, Kose, what do you think? Uh, yes, um, well, I think I've made it pretty clear that for me, there, uh, I, wouldn't, I couldn't be happier if there would be 11 Cavani's um, in our team. And I think that to have that level of professionalism, to have that level of maturity is um, something you are raised with. And for many, many times and occasions, we have seen Rabiot fail to reach that level of maturity and professionalism that is expected um, from a, one of the best midfielders at Paris Saint-Germain. And I think that for me, for me, there wouldn't be anything better than to see Rabiot in uh, three or four years being captain of PSG, um, guiding PSG to a semi-final, quarter-final of Champions League every year. Uh, I mean, I think, as we said, he's a fabulous, fabulous player. And I do think that he should have gone to the World Cup. Um, I'm going to disagree um, with Matthew on that. I do think that Rabiot should have gone. Uh, even even before uh, Matuidi, I, I do think Nsonsi is fantastic. Um but I also agree that if he isn't picked, well, there were a lot of players for France that weren't picked. Um, and they remain put. And should there be an injury, they'll probably make it in. Um, so I, I agree with a lot of uh, what Matthew said. I think that that lack of professionalism and that lack of maturity is going to cost him in his career if he's not able to fix that. Um, because no coach will ever want to deal. And I know this because as a player, coaches do not like to deal with these kinds of players that um, put on their needs. And, you know, it's one thing to have Neymar say, you know, I want to do this thing, I want to do this other thing. Because if he's going to be the talisman leader of your team, you can cut him a little bit more, of, uh, cut him a little bit more slack. But Rabiot is supposed to be the jewel of the academy of Paris Saint-Germain. 
um, just because of how he broke into the first team and what he's been able to do with PSG. And I think it's just a stain. It's just a stain yeah. in his career that, that he wasn't able to to grow up to to his status and say, okay, you know what, that's fine. I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to be on the next World Cup. On his career, but on the club too, I think. And that's where I, I am really mad at him because that, that I think it's affecting the image of, of uh, the club and, and its youth academy. Um, David? Yeah, this, this sucks. Um, it does, eh? It does suck. Because it's like a lot of criticism has been mounted against Rabiot in, in recent weeks, and I think, I think everyone just kind of assumed the fair thing, and that's that, okay, he's kind of taking it easy for the World Cup, like a lot of the world's best players do. I mean, there was Silva, um, Neymar probably could have, been brought back into action if it was a more crucial time of the season but why why bother i mean it's it's not a big deal he needs to get he needs to get fit for the world cup um you know we've we've he may well have envisioned himself as just being that good and that's why he declined so much in these past few months um but he is not tiago silva he is not neymar for his national team he's he's rabio um and I, as much as you want to look at Matuidi or Nzanzi and say, oh, maybe he could have had a place there. They've had good years and a good few months, and uh, Rabio has had a very bad few months for whatever reason. So he, he really doesn't have any right to be complaining about his selection. Um, it's frustrating because, I mean, the, Matuidi was sold to accommodate Rabio as a starter. It's not as if the guy needs to be reminded that he's good. Um, and again, I don't think his bad form is actually as catastrophic as people have been saying. I mean, no. one of the things that one of the things that I I just fall back on is like, look, I mean, when Blaise Matuidi was playing bad, he he couldn't pass, and Rabio is just basically like, I, at worst, he's like out of form Blaise Matuidi, which was always okay with everybody. So I mean, why why not? Why not now? Um, yeah, I I just I think this is kind of a moment where like. If the club wants to really enforce a new kind of rule, um, if it was any other player, I think we'd be talking much more seriously about a departure. Um, but I don't think we are, even if Tuchel was like trying to impose himself on the dressing room. I don't think there's really serious talk about anything more than like some disciplinary action against Rabiot. Yeah, no, because he's just, he's just too valuable mm. right now. Um, he's versatile. He still has a lot of potential just as a player, but also because he's like he's probably our best academy player right now, um, at least on form. So, and and I mean, Kose is right. There is that dream of like this, you know, this curly-haired kid. He's you know who has played here for long enough that the whole. I mean, there is a rapport between Rabio and the fans that's that's tighter, I think, than the rapport with like Ariola and the fans because right. they've they've kind of you've kind of seen the kid grow up in the team, and even though he's a bit of a dumbass, you still kind of have the dream of maybe in three or four years he will be captaining the side. Um, I don't think he'll be sold. I don't think he should be sold. But this, I think, this is his last shot to be able to achieve that dream. Um, I think if he messes up again and and makes himself a makes a fool out of himself and, and embarrasses the club, like Guillaume said, at an international level, then I think I think he may well be, be at the end of his rope. And and Tuchel may very well be the coach to to mm. you know yep. to finally cut it. Or to get him back on the right track. That's true. And if um, he can, wow. Yeah, I mean um, the best way to turn things around for Adrien Rabiot is to have an exceptional season at Paris Saint Germain. 
period. That's it. He will prove Deschamps wrong. He will prove, you know. Then, then, okay. That's the only way. That's uh, basically he, um, he, he, he cut out the work for him. This is it. This new season, you have to be exceptional. If you're exceptional, then we'll forgive you to be a douchebag and, and a <laughs> dumbass. But if you show again your lack of professionalism and your inability to, 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 be, to perform at a regular high level, then, um, then fuck you. Then you're that big disappointment. They happen. Um, and, and being the jewel of the youth academy, yeah, it will hurt. But we, we can take it. But you're right. Um, I mean, he's a, I think the reason the, Deschamps is an experienced coach. And he's looking at the big picture. Rabiot cannot have a start, uh, you know, can, cannot start in the French national team midfield. No. Uh, too, too many big players before him. So he looked at him. He was in the, uh, 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 you know, 20, the group of 28 or 30 players. So he, he was put in a reserve because he's valuable because he's extremely versatile. He can do pretty much he can play any position. But the one position that Nzonzi, or one skill um, that Nzonzi has and Rabio doesn't, is to be the brute, the bully. Nzonzi can do that. He's a big guy. If um, Deschamps needs a big destroyer, well, he takes Nzonzi. He doesn't take Rabio. Um, and, and that's why Rabio wasn't selected, I think. And probably also Deschamps doesn't really like his attitude. And, and, and definitely not even, even more now. But that, that the, the reason why he's not taken by Deschamps is purely sportive. But he made a big mess of it. Hopefully he's going he's gonna to have a great season and, and Tuchel will, um, will work with Rabiot and make, make him a better player. And um, if it doesn't work out, then we'll have the same discussion at the end of uh, next year. Talking about next year, huge question mark again. I mean, we got spoiled, guys, uh, last transfer uh, season, isn't it? Who knew, who knew Neymar and Mbappé would, uh, would join? And they have. So probably won't happen again. Nothing, nothing in, that, in that scale is coming in. But we all have read the media and heard the rumors. Um, Di Maria is shopping for a new club. Kurzawa is shopping for a new club. Oh, um, no. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> uh, apparently, there's some interest for Meunier, too. Um, and then, let's, let's talk about two subjects into one. Then the FFP is back again. So, UEFA, after accepting the value of the bullshit sponsors Paris Saint-Germain has. Yes, they're bullshit. But they accepted it. Um, they said, all right, okay. Uh, cut that one in half. It's value, the Qatar Tourism Authority. Come on. Um, we're going to cut it to 100 million euros a year, and that's fine. Um, and Paris said, okay. Um, and then after the Neymar and Mbappé transfer, even if Mbappé transfer is kicking in now, it was a loan. After the Neymar transfer, a big uh, hullabaloo in world football, in European football, the close pressure in UEFA to look again into Paris Saint-Germain's accounting. 
a team of UEFA bean counters came into the club at a long conversation. Okay, Neymar transfer is good in regard to the FFP regulations. But now UEFA is saying, oh, uh, yeah, but uh, so your uh, sponsorship uh, bullshit thing. Uh, we said it was good, but it's not good. What? So it's a clown. It's a circus of clowns. Our accounting is ridiculous. It's all fake. And UFA's FFP is bullshit. Bottom line, it looks like the club is going to get sanctioned again, which explains a little bit of the um, Buffon thing, because, again, he's clearing up some accounting money. Um, who do you think is going to go? And who do you wish, in a reasonable way, would join the club? We'll start with Matthew. Well, um, it's a big one. I think, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that in terms of getting rid of people, I think you're probably looking at um, players who have got value. It's probably um, Di Maria, who you've mentioned. I saw he was linked with Atletico Madrid quite recently, which... Uh, uh, would probably be a good move for him, or and also um, Kevin Trapp as well, because I think right. he can't be happy. He can't be happy with his situation, and also there must be a market for him. Um, so I'd probably look to move those two guys on. Um, and then in terms of who we get in, I mean, it's it's really difficult, isn't it? I think it's quite annoying to see Fabinho joining uh, Liverpool. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of speculation about him last year, and. Um, you know, if you believe Parish United, he was sort of happy to come to PSG, but they couldn't get it over the line. And um, I think he'd have been ideal, really. And even 40 million euros doesn't... Obviously, it's a lot of money, but it doesn't seem that much in the grand scheme of things, you know. So um, uh, I think that's quite annoying. But I think that's, you know, we've talked at length about the midfield over the last year or two. And uh, I think uh, a sort of, uh, you know, a solid number six has to be the, the priority because... Other than that, we're sort of pretty well stacked in uh, in all the areas of the pitch. I mean, obviously, if um, Kazawa moves on as well, then we might be looking at a left back because Yuri's a bit you sort mm-hmm. of unproven at this point, I'd say. But um, he's been I'm useful. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I remember, like, I was quite sort of pro Yuri, sort of about halfway through last season. Uh, he had a little good run, but sort of went off the boil again. But I think the problem with Kazawa will be. Not sure who's going to buy him, to be honest. And who's an English club, an English club. Yeah, it's got to be. That's the only people, and that's the problem for PSG, isn't it? Because all these players who we want to move on, you've got a very limited market for them, and if they're sort of slightly damaged goods like Kazawa or even to an extent Di Maria, it makes it makes it really difficult to sort of find find a new home for them, unless you take a massive financial hit, which in turn sort of impacts on the FFP. Um, I just wanted to say, I mean, the FFP thing is absolute nonsense, isn't it? I mean, it is. PS, PSG can clearly afford all these uh, all these players, so why shouldn't they be allowed to buy them? I thought that was the whole point of it was to stop clubs building up an unsustainable, you know, uh, putting themselves in an unsustainable position. And clearly, a club that's got the sovereign wealth of Qatar behind it is not going to in an unsustainable position, are they? Even if Qatar like pulled out of PSG tomorrow. It's not like PSG is going to go to the wall because they can clearly dispose of all these players quite easily, you know. So I find it a bizarre. I find the whole thing bizarre. And I mean, uh, you, you, like, we, we know we know what's up. 
we know who, yeah. who's behind the yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all it's almost like sort of uh the Barcelona and Real Madrid don't really like people waiting on their turf isn't it but, um anyway that's I don't want to go into all those conspiracy theories but yeah the same the same sort of transfer targets I think a, a number six uh uh type player to short the midfield is is the guy but I don't know uh, who we go and get and who we can afford is, is is another matter. Maybe one of you guys can sort of throw a few names out there. Yeah, we have a few ideas, I think. Uh, David? Oh, okay. Um, well, in terms of departures, um, it's, you know, with a heavy heart, we're probably going to say goodbye to Ben Arfa, uh, which oh. will save us, yeah. save us a lot of money. Um, <sighs> time will tell. Time will tell if it's the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, also, uh, Kuchowiak is on the books. Hesse is on the books. Kuchowiak, um, I, Kuchowiak, if I may interrupt you, said he wants to come back to Paris Saint Germain. Yes, and, and he wants to play and, 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 and be a starter at the club. Go and on. hey, there's our six. Having, having um, no, no, but he will, he will come back. And he's he will come be, back. He's going to be our fourth uh, central defender. Problem solved. Go yeah, on. Go fair. On. I mean, I think we may be paying Krzysztof too much to be a fourth choice center defender. But sure, I mean, sure. frankly, I, I I am not opposed to having him come back. Maybe that's an un- unpopular opinion, but I I mean, he was garbage at West Brom. I understand that, but maybe uh, you know, as Jonathan Johnson said on 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 Twitter. He, chatted about it. Uh, maybe Partiola's methods were just too advanced uh, for Kuchowiak, and so maybe toning it down a bit with, a bit with, with Tuchel uh, could be good for him. And coach, yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, people, they... <laughs> I'm going to abandon that bit. Uh, yeah, Di Maria being sold, I can't, I can't even mask the joy, uh, finally. Um... He's overpaid. Yeah, because he, he, do he was garbage, right? I mean, you look at his yes. stats, awful stats at Paris Saint-Germain. Well, that's your right? problem, Guillaume, is you, always, right? you look at stats and you look at muscles, and that's all that matters to you. <laughs> with me, it's intangible. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> speaking of intangibles and mistakes, we're going to sell Pastore. No, uh, I don't think we will. You don't think so? No, I think he's staying. No. Yeah, he's well. going to go to the end of the contract. Well, that that yeah. would surprise me because I, I would imagine there's a little bit of push from the players' side as well because he's mm. I don't know I mean Tuchel could certainly be yeah. a, lead a, a pastoresance which would be heaven, um, but I I'm just not optimistic with how things have gone for him. But in terms of the surefire sellers, um, you know Benarf is gone. I think D I think Di Maria is gone. I don't think we can envision a, a like if we're cutting weight. I don't think you can envision Di Maria staying because he's, he's thirty also, years old. It's the time yeah. to sell. If, if he's not going to get any, yeah, yeah. he's not going to get any more expensive. Um, but he will need to be replaced. Or Gedesh come, comes back. It doesn't look like Gedesh is coming back. So uh, he will be missed, whether you like it or not, David. Uh, it's going to be difficult to replace if he leaves Di Maria. I hope I hope Gedesh comes back because that is a player whose value will only increase. I mean, uh, frankly, I, I I think it's going to be a really stupid decision if the Gedesh move. And uh, he's a he's a type of player, definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I I hope there will be enough pull to bring him back because that is a player who can really really impact the team, especially if there's a, a, a change in tactic. He's a really good counter attacking player. Um, 
and and he's kind of played in a similar system with Valencia. But the the other thing is the fullback situation. So Kuzawa is going to be sold, and there is Danny Alves is out injured, and there is there are rumors of Munier being sold. I don't mm. see it happening because fullbacks are unreasonably expensive. I mean, Yuri was thirty million, and that's mm-hmm. it, it's just. There's such a lack of trustable fullbacks that yep. Munier, Munier was an exception because he was coming from the Belgian league. But you know, you need you need fullbacks that are proven. And I don't think I don't think I can imagine us if our spending is being monitored when you need a midfielder. I can't imagine us having to go buy three fullbacks in a single season. Um, so I don't think Yuri's going to be sold. Certainly not. I don't think Munier was being is going to be sold. And that's. I mean, I, I certainly hope he's not sold because I think he's really good. But um, I just, for a pra- from a practical perspective, it doesn't make sense to have to take a loss on on all of those positions. Because um, you're right, the priority is midfield, and mm. we may very well see because like every of the year. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's my piece. I, I think I think the forward that we buy is going to be the biggest surprise if if we do get one in. Um, I I don't know. What, what we're looking at there, because it's going to have to be someone who is affordable, probably someone from, I don't know, C's. I mean, a, a similar signing to, like, the, the Los Elso signing would be brilliant. Um, but, yeah, midfield is going to be difficult. Provide, after Fabinho left for so cheap, it's, it's infuriating to me. that Well, for so cheap for, for Liverpool, he would have been 60 to 70 million for us, but whatever. If people say Weigel. People say Tuchel's going to want to bring in Weigel, of and course. I think Weigel's great. I think Weigel's great, but is Weigel worth, you know, like 90 plus million or whatever? Not 90 millions, no. All I'm saying is I don't see a reasonable report saying he's going to be. It's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be cheap. But we need him so badly. I mean, it makes sense. Anyway, I'm. I'm, Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kose. Um, well, I think you guys got pretty much covered, but um, I'm going to go ahead and agree with the fullback situation. I think there are much bigger... I think our fullbacks are not where we wanted them to be, but at the same time, I also agree with the fact that we can't have the luxury to go on and buy uh, 40 and 50 million fullbacks uh, just because of how inflated the market for that position is. And I think actually that Yuri has had a had a pretty decent season. I love Yuri as a player. Um, I agree with uh, a, with uh, David what he said too. Um, Munier is also a fantastic fullback. So for me to see both of them start next season should be enough. Um, even if I agree, we should also get a replacement for Kurzawa and even Dani Alves. Um, I also agree with that. Uh, I'm pretty happy with the departure of Anthony Maria. Should it happen? Um, I don't in, I, I don't hate seeing him in the team, but I don't love it either. He's an expensive player. He's on a big wage. And I think, uh, like you said, Guillaume, he is uh, on the wrong side of 30 now. So yeah. I think it would be the wisest thing to sell him. Um, I have absolutely no idea who or, or what plan PSG have for this summer. Um, like Matthew said, it's very hard to know, especially if we're going to have our spending monitored. We have to be careful with these guys, um, quote-unquote. Uh, but still, it will be exciting to understand what's going to... My, my, what I want to see um, is what's, what is going to happen to the players that we have out on loan. 
Um, like we said, Jesse looks like he's on his way out. Krakowiak may come back. What would happen to Gerish Valencia are very keen on keeping him if they can. Um, so that's what I want to see, how that gets sorted out. Because maybe they want to use those players to ease on the financial fair play restrictions. Uh, or maybe they just want to uh, bring back Gerish, uh, who's, had, who's had a fantastic season in Spain, um, to play for Tuco. So I think that would be, for me, the most important part of this transfer window. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about FFP. Um, well, FFP or no FFP, I'm, I'm sad to see uh, Di Maria leave uh, because I've always been a fan. Uh, but that's business. Uh, he's still a valuable player. You need to sell him. There's, there's uh, clubs willing to buy him. So he's going to go, um, whether FFP or not. But with FAP, definitely need to sell and Hal Di Maria. We're talking about selling Ben Arfa. There's no selling Ben Arfa. He's out of contract. Bye-bye. One absolutely unsellable player. Who's taking, who's got a huge contract at Paris Saint-Germain. Who's been catastrophic. Um, except uh, when he records some ragaton. He's uh, Jesse. Nobody wants him. He's uh, paid uh, uh, six million a year. He's got another three years. On, I mean, it's a catastrophe. We got fooled. We got completely fooled. We, we're not going to sell Jesse. So we're going to have to find a new loan or whatever. We're losing money on this guy. Oh, well. Um, but he probably <laughs> he's probably not going to play for Paris Saint-Germain ever again. Um, I don't think Meunier is... is Living, I mean, he was in the Belgian league, joined Paris Saint-Germain. Now everybody knows who Thomas, Thomas Meunier is. Uh, Alves is, is, is 48 years old and, and will go to the end of his contract. No, uh, no change there. Yuri is staying, definitely. We're going to have to replace Kurzawa, um, who's, who's out. Unless Tutush is like, no, you know what, I'm going to talk to this dumbass. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put another P next to the P brain he has, and and try to see how what he does and uh, to 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 his. Um, we might have to replace the first P as well as the other. Problem. Or the surgeon, the Paris Saint Germain surgeon, was cutting Gianluigi Buffon's head to screw it on Areola's body. Is gonna do something to Kozawa too? Who knows? We'll see about that. But um, if if Kozawa goes. We're going to have to replace him. And like you said, uh, Kose, um, well, fullbacks are absurdly expensive. Or was it Matthew? Uh, they're really, really, really expensive. So that, that's a problem. But, again, like every single fucking season, the midfield. Yet again, remember when we had a very good midfield. That was when Mota could run, when Matridi had three lungs... And Verratti was uh, freestyling for like 18 months. We had a really, really, really good midfield. Then Matridi lost a lung and Mota started to walk. Oh, like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to walk a little fast because uh, the, the, the opposition is attacking. Perhaps I should walk a little. Oh, go. Oh, no. So that was our midfield. And then Rabiot came in and that was like a lottery. Is it going to be great? Is it going to be bad? Then Lo Celso, okay, and Kunku, great. Midfield, um, Tutush is coming. 
Who's Tutu's brain on the pitch? Vegel. Vegel is 25, is Rabio's age, I think. Um, Fabinho, of course, going to Liverpool kind of hurts, but Fabinho, um, I'm a huge fan. He's a wonderful player. Uh, good long passing, uh, box to box, great in defense, good drive, good international level. But in the two-shell world, you need a pure um, passer, uh, a six or DM that can pass, that can, that can do what Mota used to do, except uh, on top of it, run, which Mota couldn't do anymore. That's Weigel. Um, it's going to be a tough negotiation with Dortmund because he's a critical player. He's a system player. If Dortmund loses Weigel, they lose the system, or what's left of it. So it's not going to be cheap, but you would assume that Tutush is going to try to get Weigel. If we do get Weigel, oh, it's going to take him a while because he's a system player, and that's a new system, and Paris Saint-Germain is going to have to adapt to Weigel and Weigel to Paris Saint-Germain. It's going to be a long process. We need to replace Mota, remember? Weigel would be the guy. He's in the list of guys. Um, City just bought or is about to buy a Giorgino, apparently, who's another system guy. So Weigel, 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 Weigel. If we get only Weigel and um, even a, a sucky left back to replace Kurzawa, that, that, that might very well do. I hear Luca Dean is on the market. Uh, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what? As a, as a backup, he's all right. He improved a lot. Defensively, he did. Um, is he, is he going to the World Cup? He's not, isn't he? Oh, no, he's not. No, he's not in the list. Um, and um, if we take FFP out of the horizon, which is science fiction, um, then we would get uh, Sandro. My God, what a left back this guy is uh, from UV. He's, he's brilliant. Uh, we would probably get um, a six, so Vigal someone else, and then another uh, relayer, another box-to-box, decent guy. Um, and then we would get a brilliant, uh, uh, promising, young, attacking winger, uh, and those guys run into the you know, 70, 80, 90, 100-plus million euros. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. So I smell some serious sanctions, if it's too serious, Paris Saint-Germain is going to sue UEFA. It's going to be a mess. So UEFA is probably aware of it. They're probably going to say, um, you can't spend in transfers, blah, 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 blah. We're going to limit your team in the Champions League to a, a roster of 23 players. And so on and so forth. Um, so the transfer season is going to be complicated. And, um, well, we have a sporting director, sportive director, food director of football, whatever you call that, a good one, and he should, um, he should be very helpful. But it's a big question mark. Bottom line of the bottom lines, we need a midfield that can supply Neymar and Mbappé in good conditions so they don't have to break their ankles trying to score goals against good teams, and it's completely within the reach of a good coach. And that's probably what we're going to see next season. This is the end of our podcast. We are past the hour mark. 
does anyone want to briefly um, bring up a subject we haven't talked about, or are we done? I don't. I don't think I have anything. <laughs> All right, we are done. Well, that was uh, a hard one to pull. Sorry uh, to our faithful listeners and our, our um, supporters on the web listening to our podcast. We had a big. Uh, we had a big gap, and um, we're probably going to have an even bigger gap now because the World Cup is coming up. Yay! The World Cup! What a <laughs> summer! Yay! It's going to be an amazing World Cup. Amazing Can't World Cup. Perform again. Who's going to win it? David. Oh, uh, who's going to win the World Cup? Oh, damn, Italy. Okay. Kose, uh, 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 <laughs> who's going to win the World Cup? Brazil. Uh, Matthew, who's going to win the World Cup? Uh, Argentina. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think uh, Spain is going to win it. All right. This concludes nope. our, our podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening to us. We'll be back with a vengeance next season. Next season is going to be awesome. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye.